Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Part-Time at Lambda School. I am your host, Iris Sanchez, and this is a show where we talk about my experience, Part-Time at Lambda School. But today, we're going to talk about somebody else's experience. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about my classmate, Shelby Diamond. Hello, Shelby. Hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, And Shelby is joining us for today's episode because she recently got a job. and. In the past, I've talked a little bit about how part-time has sort of felt a little bit like an afterthought in Lambda's development, and that full-time gets a lot more attention for sure, and that part-time you feel a little bit like the red-headed stepchild, as they say. Um, I, that's just an expression that I've heard. I'm not really sure exactly <laughs> what. Yeah, I don't know what people's beef is with redheads. I've just heard that expression. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, and, uh, and so uh, Shelby was able to get all the way through the part-time program and now has a job, and so I thought that would be some valuable insight. So welcome, Shelby. Um, so I thought we could start with your overall experience at Lambda. What, what was your timeline here? Because as you and I both know, it's not quite linear. Right. So I started at Lambda in April of 2019. So it's technically been a year. Um, Before Lambda, I didn't know a single line of code. I didn't know what a tag was. I knew nothing. Um, I was in a different career field altogether. And the um, head director of the company said that we're automating your job and we're going to start ruling people out in phases and start looking for a new job. So My sister called me and said, hey, I found this school. It's called Lambda. You should go to it. And I was like, okay. Did zero research. Didn't look anything up. Just went with it. Um, Got accepted. And so originally I started in part-time seven. um, And then it was not a very good experience. So I went to full-time I quit my job just because I felt exactly what you said. It was like an afterthought. We weren't getting attention. Um, The very first day of school, classes were canceled. Um, The teacher had a migraine, so class was canceled. I mean, it was just everything was canceled all the time. So I went to full-time, did that for a little bit, and then due to finances, I needed a job, so I had to go back to part-time. So I've been kind of all over the board. Yeah, totally. And I, I mean, I personally haven't met anyone whose Lambda experience was like smooth sailing, no hiccups, life didn't get in the way at all. The gods were going to intervene with like floods or whatever, but they were like, you know what, you're studying. So we think we're going to chill. I've never met anyone whose life went like that, but least of all, not at Lambda school. Yeah, um, for sure. So you said that like you started off part time, you went to full time. What was it like transitioning back, knowing that you had, you know, you had been in part-time before? Had part-time changed at all on your second time around? Yes. So Lambda does not like you to switch cohorts. Um, they want you to stay put. They don't want you moving um, at all. So for me, when I went from part-time to full-time, they gave me warnings and they said, you can only do this once. Are you sure you want to be full-time? Because you will not be able to go back. And I said, yes, I, I just needed to get out of that cohort. 
uh, told them everything they wanted to hear, got switched. And then, you know, when I had to go back, they told me no. And I said to them, um, it was like a front desk ticket. And I ended up just saying like, look, unless you want to pay my credit card bills and you want to pay my rent and you want to give me this living stipend that the school already promised me. And I sent screenshots of them already telling me I could have it and they never gave it to me. I said, you, you either need to let me out of my ISA and walk from the school. You need to switch me to part-time and I'll continue working hard or you need to pay my bills. So what's it going to be? And they happily switched me to part-time. <laughs> um, so when I went back to part-time, it was very different. Um, in the, in the first part-time section, everyone was really excited. It was really hyped. And it could just be that that was the beginning of the school, whereas now I'm at like the tail end of it. Um, but everyone in this part-time cohort, nobody cares. Um, I did a build week and I was the only person on a team of five coding anything for two weeks straight. And then the last hour of the last day, everyone jumped in in like panic mode. Um, and it just like, it's frustrating when no one cares. Right. And by this cohort, to clarify, you mean the cohort that you and I are currently in right now? Yes. Is that the one that you transferred into when you were done being full-time as well? Yes. Oh, okay. So I went from part-time seven to full-time 21. Then I went on hiatus and I came back to full-time 22 and then labs. And now I'm in part-time five. So I went from seven to five. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've personally also bounced around a lot and I just found my first coding challenge and Shelby, I've been around here for a long time. It was December 2017. What was, I think my very first day at Lambda. Um, so I haven't been here the entire time. It's not like the time went uninterrupted. I took a six month hiatus. Now that's not even possible. They don't let you take that long of a break, but you know, I took a hiatus before it was a hiatus. It's called, I disappeared. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, again, not advisable. Um, I did this when the school had a lot less resources than it does now. And they probably had a lot more leeway with students and were a lot more accommodating, uh, or I don't know if I'd say accommodating, just more flexible because they didn't actually have, they didn't have policies in place to deal with these circumstances. Now they do. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's not hard to take a hiatus and it's not hard to defer. It is now. Oh, it is now. So I took a hiatus in October. Um, I wanted to flex. I was doing Java backend and I didn't understand it. And I asked my TL if I could flex and he said, no, you did just fine. You don't need to flex. You need to, um, you know, you need to pass. This is a confidence issue. And I'm telling him I'm in my late twenties. I know whether or not I can understand a concept. I'm asking you, I don't care about the time I need to flex. And he said, no. So, uh, I took a hiatus with the intention of going off for a week and then jumping into the cohort behind because I skipped build week. You can't go ahead. And Lambda said, jokes on you. It's okay. You didn't do the build week. We're going to push you into the next unit anyway. And I said, hold up, just kidding. I actually need another hiatus. And I went for a second week and then I went back and I got to do the last two weeks of break. Um, and it was just terrible because then I missed two weeks of information that I could have really used. 
Um, but and that was October last month. My friend tried to go on hiatus to do the same thing to force like a flex, and they said no. Um, you can See, only go I if think, it's a medical I think, problem, and you need I, a doctor's note. I think they know that you're trying to play them because, like, I know that for my student as a TL. Um, if any of them ever needed a hiatus, it was just a front desk ticket and that was it. Um, like it was just, it was just a matter of like waiting maybe like a week at most, but never have I ever had a student get denied. Um, and I've had a lot of students, well, I, I shouldn't say a lot because that makes it sound like I have like, like piles and piles of, <laughs> you know, of spreadsheets or whatever. That's not what I mean. I just, I've had at least three students hiatus. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's without, without any issue. So I guess that's, that's so weird, you know, but, <laughs> but I'm not gonna lie, Shelby. I think they knew, I think they knew that you were trying to be sneaky. That's a- <laughs> but, well, it's not even a matter of being sneaky. It's just like, I'm paying the school so many thousands of dollars at the end of the day. And if I don't understand a concept that you're only giving us three weeks to learn and a new language, like you should allow me to repeat the three weeks. It's not like you're not going to get paid. It's, if anything, like ensuring that I get a job because I will know these concepts when I didn't pass a build week. You can't push me forward for not even doing it. Right. Yeah. No, I'm not necessarily saying you were wrong for wanting a flex, but, um, <laughs> but I think you could have just said, Hey, I think I need to flex, but my TL is not listening. I want, oh, did no, you try that? Or? Section lead. Yeah. The section uh, lead wouldn't let me either. And so then I, instead of going to the front desk, I just said I'm going on hiatus. Was this in computer science? This was right before labs. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say in computer science, I did the same thing. I was like, please let me flex. And they were like, <laughs> dude, you were one unit away. <laughs> and I was like, okay, you're fine. You're right. You're right. I'll just YouTube it later. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you're right. If you know, If I can pass, even though like, I don't fully understand it, and I know I don't. But with CS, I feel like they expect you to fully understand it. Um, oh yeah, they do a lot more with like some of the other subjects. Um, so you got a job, yes, despite some of your lambda uh, <laughs> troubles and uh, hurdles and whatever you'd like to call it. You know, however you'd label those experiences, right? Um, yeah. Despite those things, you got a job. So what? Uh, what happened? How did that work out? How did that, how did, how did Shelby become an official web developer, getting paid, getting the big internet money? Oh, you're an engineer. I am. It's, uh, yeah. So, okay. Just to start off, let me preface. I have always been handed jobs my entire life. Uh, no matter what the like topic was, I went to look at a preschool to help my friend and I left as the lead teacher for the three-year-olds. I went to the bookstore to buy my books for college and I left with a job. I mean, I just have always been handed jobs. I've never in my life had to go through an interview process. So when people would say I've been unemployed for six months, I would laugh at them and think they're dumb. How? That's not even possible. Um, Until this. So I did get hired at my second place applying. But for me and my patterns, that was really hard. Um, <laughs> wait, you literally, did you even get rejected by the first place? Or? I did, and I did not take it well at all. <laughs> so, 
Okay. <laughs> I ended up applying um, at QT and they gave me a co-challenge. I passed the phone interview. They said they loved me. They told me that I passed technical everything that they were looking for in a candidate. And all they wanted was to do a one hour in-person interview with the whole dev team. Super laid back, very relaxed, no questions asked, just to make sure personalities clicked. And 10 minutes after leaving that, I got an email saying that they were going to go the other way. And I felt so rejected at my core of like a person because it wasn't like I could just be like, well, I didn't know the concept. Well, I don't know how to do this code. It was, you know, the code, but we just don't like you. So. Oh, you had the, you had the interview with the dev team and everything. Yeah, uh, and they rejected me. Oh, uh, yeah. You weren't yeah. part of the cool kids club. I know. I'm still like, looking back, I know that it wasn't a good fit. Those people were a bunch of old people and they were super annoying. Like it totally didn't click on both sides. I but mean, I wanted to turn them down. I didn't want them to not offer it. Like I didn't want to be rejected. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like they didn't even give you enough time to think about it. You know what I mean? Like, oh no, they didn't. It was like a 10 minute, like I wasn't even driving home yet. And I got the email that are like, thanks, we're going to go another way. So I didn't apply to another job for probably three months. Oh, so it took you, it took you three months to bounce back from that from that rejection and try again. That was at my core. Yeah. I'm not. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Yeah. I I didn't mean that in a dismissive way. It's meant like, what was that like? It was really sad, and I cried a lot. Um, I mean, that, that's okay. And that's then my brother-in-law actually sent me to what my current job is, um, which is a company. That is in the medical industry, which is what I was doing before Lambda. Okay. And everything that this company stands for is like my own personal morals. So like this couldn't have been more of a dream job for me. And then to do the phone interview and the guy was like so chill and we clicked right off the bat. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like my dream job and it's my second application. And then he sent me a code challenge and I have not been able to pass a single code challenge. I cannot do any hacker ranks. I haven't been able to do any code wars. <laughs> I cannot pass a single code challenge to save my life. No, I relate. I'm just not that type of a person either. I'm trying to get better at it. And, but there's a lot of pressure to be good at that for sure. Yeah. Well, so I got this email and it said you have seven days to open it. And once you open it, you have two hours. <laughs> and then you're like, I'm and- never going to open this email. <laughs> So yeah, I didn't. I waited until the last day to open it because I was so nervous and I was like practicing my hacker ranks like leading up to it. And I open it and it was four questions and it was all pseudocode. What would you do if this was the situation? Where would you look for a bug if this was what you were given? What does a 400 error code mean? I mean, it was like stuff like, and I was like, oh, there's no way I finish this in 10 minutes. Like they gave me two hours. I must be missing something. Right. Um, I turned it in and within 15 minutes of me turning it in, the guy called me and said he wanted an in-person interview. Um, I showed up to that and they had me whiteboard and I did not do well on the whiteboard. I bombed it so bad. What did they ask you? Um, have you ever heard of a fizz buzz? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a fizz buzz. So, um, um, you changed the words to being foobar. So for the listeners who don't know what FizzBuzz means, 
please explain it to them. So he basically handed me a whiteboard marker and he said, I want you to hand write out all of this code. And basically we're going to give you a function and um, the parameter is going to be a number. And if it's divisible by three, print out the word foo. If it's divisible by five, print out bar. And if it's divisible by both three and five, print out foo bar. Um, so, I mean, there's no console log. You're on a whiteboard with a marker. Um, so that was really hard for me. I bombed it so bad. I was like, just didn't even do syntactical anything. I was just like, okay, well, pseudocode style, this is what I would do because I knew I couldn't do it syntactically. Um, and then the head main developer on the team looks at me and he goes, I'm just going to help you and be your console log. If you really printed that, this is what it would spit out. You're going to spit out foobar, foobar, all three together. And I was like, oh boy. <laughs> Um, it was bad. I couldn't get it. I never got it by the end. They ran out of time and I was just like, can I have five more minutes? Can I look it up on my phone? Um, and he was like, don't worry about it. Like you did great. And I went home and I Google searched it and I found out that it was called a fizz buzz. And it's like the most common oldest whiteboard challenge like that there is. So that was fun. I recoded it out and then I sent him an email like, you know, and you're like, thank you. I was like, I looked it up. I figured it out. Here's what it is. I commented like to tell him like I learned. Um, and he responded and he said, oh, you really didn't need to do that. You know, you did a great job in person. Don't worry about it. And then I didn't hear from them for like three weeks. And that was. Oh, yeah. So they're, <laughs> they were like playing you. Let's see if she really likes us. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, because like every other time it was like immediate, like they called me and then they immediately sent me the code challenge. As soon as I turned it in, like within the hour, they sent me, it was, everything was very immediate until that. And then I was nervous and then I thought I got rejected again. So I didn't apply anywhere else. So what happened after three weeks? Did you get an email? Did they call you? Um, I got an email from the head of HR, but I didn't know who that was at the time. I just got an email from this lady named Stacy saying, um, you know, Ben promised he would call you regardless if you got the job or not. He promised he would make the phone call and like, you know, give you a heads up. And so, um, you know, he's, he's on a field trip with his son. So I'm going to make the phone call to you today. Okay. I didn't get it. He like, that would have been a priority if I got it. So I like instantly got really sad and I said, okay. And I set up a time on my lunch break of my other job for them to call me. And, uh, she called me, I called my sister and I was like, Jesse, they're about to call me and I'm not going to get it. And she goes, whatever you do, don't cry on the phone. I said, okay. She calls me and Stacy tells me that they want to offer me the job. And I instantly ugly cried. Yeah, I was going to say, does that make it okay to cry then? <laughs> I did. I was like, I couldn't breathe. Like, I was talking, but no words were coming out. It was over the phone, so she had no idea. She just, like, went silent. I just was ugly tear crying in my car. The security of the, build of the office I was at came up to, like, check on me. 
<laughs> they're like are you okay and you're like i'm great <laughs> pretty much so i like i called my mom and my sister and we had like a huge family conference call and everyone in my family was crying because nobody thought i could do it which was like thanks guys for having my back um ouch up- <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> I ended up calling one of my best uh, Lambda friends who's like pulling all the all-nighters with me for build weeks. And like, he's like really been there. And I just, I couldn't even breathe. I was crying so hysterically. And he had me on speakerphone with like my whole labs team. And I was just saying, I got the job. And they were like, that doesn't sound like the voice of someone who just got hired. <laughs> like right because you're crying out of happiness but it's like too much (laughs) yeah it was way too much but I mean it happened so you you talked about like this this friend that you had at lambda what you know obviously studying the curriculum and practicing your code and looking up outside resources all of those things are going to help you get a job right like there's yes so so what like what helps you out I'm so sorry Shelby what helps you like outside of that networking um, making friends, putting yourself out there. You have to put the hours in. It sounds so obvious, but the reality is like things are on GitHub. It's really tempting to just go and look and see like, oh, how did this person think and like figure it out based off of that. But if you do that, you will never be able to do it yourself. Like you have to struggle and you have to put in the hours. Um, I mean, I personally paid almost $800 for a tutor outside of Lambda to sit with me because I can't learn off YouTube videos. I need someone to like walk me through it. I mean, that helps, but I don't want all my listeners to think that that's at all required. Like that's, I'm not going to lie to you, Shelby. That's more than my rent. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's not required at all. I just mean like you have to figure out, you have to know yourself. You have to figure out what your learning style is and you have to be able to be proactive about that. Yeah, for sure. There's the help channel. There are resources. There are tutors, you know, your TLs and stuff at Lambda. Um, I just personally didn't like mine. So I know that that's what I need and I had to go figure out how to get it. I mean, to be honest, I also use a service that I pay for as well um, to help me just stay accountable, but I use it for like everything. I don't just use it for Lambda, but I could see how it could also be useful for Lambda. It's called Focusmate. It costs $5 a month and basically you pay to have a Zoom appointment essentially. Um, But like for accountability measures, like you could probably share your screen um, for the 50 minutes that you're on there. Uh, just so that you're not sharing your your LinkedIn with a stranger, because you're getting paired up with a stranger. You're not allowed to talk to each other, except for to say what you're working on, and you know at the beginning, at the end. But throughout the middle, like you're not allowed to socialize, so that's not an interrupting factor. But I like it. Everyone on there is really nice. You know, everyone's been friendly. Um, but like, you don't have that moment where you're like, okay, well, will you please shut up so that I can start working? Like you don't have that moment because it's part of the rules. (laughs) So it's really nice. But yeah, so networking, I'm really glad that you brought up like the importance of putting in the hours because like, I mean, I think there's an episode of me saying like, you didn't, you don't really need to do extra time outside of Lambda school that I was somehow figuring it out all within the hours. And that must have been early on or like within a certain time frame because like, 
I am having an extremely different experience now. And I find that for a lot of my students as a TL, uh, the class time is not sufficient. But that's not necessarily, I don't mean that as like a negative commentary on Lambda. I think almost literally every other school works the same way where there's class time and then you put in extra time. So it's not yeah, that's their specific. Homework. I mean, different schools call it different things. At Lambda, there is no homework. It's just a lecture and a project and your project is done during class time or it's not. Um, so if you think of it, like in terms of a traditional school, it would just be considered like homework and it's not in comparison to that where you're spending, you know, two hours a day of homework time per subject, like this is way less. It's just a matter of like knowing how you learn to make like your time the most effective. You know, I know I don't learn off YouTube videos. So watching YouTube videos for an hour never helped. Right. I mean, I've personally wasted a lot of time retrying things that don't really work for me or, or like not trying new things because they don't seem as appealing. Like the other day I went through the Gatsby documentation and if you go to like the, just the most basic fundamentals of the documentation, it walks you through each step and I've worked on, I've been trying to figure out Gatsby for way too long but it's because I didn't actually read the freaking documentation. And I know, <laughs> I know everyone will tell you, read the docs, read the docs. But I'm not, you know, as a beginner, the docs are intimidating. They may mm -hmm. as well be an alien language. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't feel that way anymore. But in the beginning, it, it gives you such a sour taste in your mouth. Just the amount of frustration yeah. and confusion that you feel when reading the documentation that it's like, it can feel hard to want to even try or even go back to that. So I'm still oh, yeah. working on like actually having a positive association with documentation. Gatsby does a great job. They have like videos and, and their documentation is actually helpful. It's not overwhelming. It's not a huge amount of text without any breakage or like mm -hmm. MDN. MDN has a lot of information, but it's, yeah. it's portrayed in a way that's not really appealing to the human eye and it becomes laborious just to read I feel like yeah no that's actually really important like at my job so I am working somewhere that is a technology that lambda did not teach um you know lambda taught us like java and react backend my job does view for front end and um go language for back end and go language has great documentation it really does However, oh, that's cool. okay. I already have that sour taste in my mouth. So I didn't even want to look up documentation. I immediately started when I like had an issue. I started at YouTube. Then I went into Lambda has a channel, a Slack channel for Go. I jumped there. Everyone's telling me, read the documentation. And I'm like, this is not helpful. This is not helpful. Um, I finally asked some of the people that I actually work with, my coworkers, because I thought, this is a team of people. I don't have to like filter what I'm really asking. Um, you know, cause company stuff, you kind of have to like filter. And they were like, did you read the document? What part of it do you not understand? And I pulled it up and it was like the easiest, most simple thing to read. And I was like, Oh, nothing. <laughs> we're good. Right. It's, it's, you know, and you're not the only one who feels that way. I think, I think sometimes, when just even opening up the documentation brings up fear in your heart. Um, you know, when, when you're in the real time doing that, it might not feel like fear, 
it usually probably feels like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely does. (laughs) At least to me. Uh, So yeah, so one of the things like you talked about, I want to circle back is like the importance of that buddy that you were telling me about. Like the first person you called was a person from Lambda, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Well, other than family, right? Uh, Yeah. Well, okay, to be fair, two of my brothers go to Lambda. So like it's a whole Lambda situation all around. Um, yeah, no. So two, probably three of my closest best friends, um, are all Lambda people. Uh, one of them is my very first TL I ever had at Lambda. He was, um, one of my references on all of my job applications. He like, when I switched cohorts and I like, I used to rag on him all the time. I was like, I'm getting out of your cohort. Friday's my last day. Like whatever, never going to see you again when I got my new TL and I realized how smart and lucky I was to have had that guy, like to begin with, I would message him every day. Can you help me? I need the help. I need this. Um, and then we started, you know, talking about not Lambda things and we became really good friends. Um, but he, he helped me get my current job. Um, and then one of the other Lambda people was like someone just in the TL group, like another student. Um, and we just pair programmed on every project and having that rubber ducky was like, so essential. Like get a dog, get a duck, get something. Yeah. Like talk, talk out your, your bug just by, just by having to even put it into words. I, you know, the way I tell other people, this is like, I don't know if this is all at all proven. This is just my rationalization as to why it works. Speech and code have a very similar limitation in that basically only one thing can be done at a time. And so in order to talk your problem out, you have to put it into a linear format, just like you would have to with your code. One word has to come before the next and another word has to come after one. Like you can't, yeah, you can, you can try to push words together like Brangelina. Um, but even then you have to pick which one comes first. Yeah, no, that's good. I never thought of it like that. <clears throat> I, like I said, I don't know if it's real. It's, <laughs> Someone will research it and be like, all right, you're right or wrong or whatever, and who knows. But for now, I'm just making things up based on my educated guesses, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so like I, for me, I used to really hate my Lambda experience. And in the beginning, it was because I was not involved. I had no friends. I didn't talk to anybody. Um, and, and when you get like any hiccup in the road, cause a lot of things change at Lambda, right. And you might not necessarily like all of those changes and that's okay. But if you have a friend that makes a huge difference as to whether or not you can adapt to those changes comfortably or uncomfortably mm-hmm. oh, yeah. quickly or slowly. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it doesn't even have to be friends that are in your cohort or that are your TL group. Um, you know, like my third person that I'm referencing is actually you. And you and I were not in a TL group. We were not even in the same cohort. I was in full-time, but it was the Lambda meetups. You know, you meet with people in your state and you get to like have that network and see people on, you know, all the different programs. And um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be like, oh, the people in my cohort are dumb. I don't want to be friends with them. Like, I mean, it could be literally any network, just make a friend. Yeah, like a lot of people will talk about what they're paying for at Lambda. 
you know, they'll say like, oh, I'm putting my money into this, but I could do this for free on the internet. And yeah, I agree. You technically could. I tried. I didn't, I I didn't have the discipline for that at the time. You know, it is what it is. But one of the things you're paying for, in my personal opinion, is a network of people who are almost unrelentingly supportive of each other. Oh, yeah. Um, and again, you might not like everybody at Lambda. Like, I don't like everyone at Lambda. And I can, I can guarantee there are people at the school who do not like me back. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't go out of my way to rock the boat, but I put my foot in my mouth a lot. Right. Figuratively. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that, I'm not sure I'm even flexible enough to do it literally. <laughs> but uh you know I I I don't always say the right thing. Uh and sometimes that upsets people and that's okay, but my my point is is it's still possible to have a, a relationships with people that are awesome and simultaneously have relationships with people at the school that are not awesome. Mhm. Yeah, I so my second TL was the meanest person. Um, he really was, but he knew his code. He was not enjoyable to go to. It was this gut-wrenching, I don't want to ask you a question, but every time I asked him, he would have the answer. He explained it very thoroughly. Like, I understood it. It was getting the job done. It's, yeah, you don't necessarily like everyone, but don't burn bridges either. <laughs> oh, man, that's crazy. I literally tell my students I love them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so sad you're not my TL. <laughs> I give them pep talks every day. <laughs> Love it. They don't even know how lucky they are. Oh, I no, they do. They do. They're afraid, <laughs> they're afraid to flex because they don't want a new TL. Because uh, they're like, what if what if I get a bad one? Uh, and that's like honestly, before we started recording this, you mentioned that one of the things that really makes or breaks your experience at Lambda is your TL. Mm-hmm. Um, and like there are two different like uh how would i put it there are two different extremes there's the tl who is not at all there and then there's the tl who gives you the answers mm-hmm. um, and and doesn't let you fail yeah um even more than that, like I've had a TL in probably every one of those categories. Um, I've had the TL where in the timed sprint challenges, I asked him a question. I was getting an error message I'd never seen before. And I like, I didn't know if like my environment variable was set up, like it was bad. And it took him almost two of the three hours to respond back to me. Um, and then I've also had a TL that you ask a question and they, he would just literally give me the answer and I didn't learn a thing. And then I've had the TLs where you ask a question and then they answer you with another question. And then they sit there and question you until you eventually figure it out. And you're like, oh, super annoying in the moment. But then you look back and you're so grateful for those people. Yeah, that's, uh, that's actually a, uh, the Socratic teaching method. What? Yeah, it's uh, it's come from Socrates, but basically, like a lot of, a lot of the things that Socrates would do was or like about asking questions, mm-hmm. uh, and that's yeah, that's just that's a specific teaching method. The idea is to walk you through the thought process, hmm. to take you through the intellectual path that is required to understand the concept, um, instead of being like, here's the destination, at, you know? Yeah. But some people find that really 
annoying, let me tell you. Uh, oh, some people really do moment. not appreciate that. <laughs> it's, I'm one of them. It was the first time my TL did that to me. I was like so pissed at him because he was asking me these questions and I didn't know. And I would tell him like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even understand what you're asking me, let alone you want me to give you an answer. And he would be like, okay, well, let me ask you this. And he would like break down and ask 50 questions. And I remember getting so pissed at this one TL because it was literally <laughs> 45 minutes of questions. And I was That's so a long frustrated. Time. <laughs> and he was like, go take a break and come back and we'll finish. And I took a break and I went offline the entire night. I was not coming back to finish. Like we were not doing this anymore. And then the next morning he messaged me and he was like, so did you end up getting help? But no, nobody was available to help me. It was just you and you weren't helping. Um, but letting those like questions sit overnight, I, I figured it out. I can't say without help because he sat there and questioned me, but like, I didn't get the answer from anyone but my head. No, that's a really good point. There's, um, there's a book. Oh my goodness. I was not planning on talking about this book. Um, uh, sorry, but I can't remember the title, but it's about, it's about learning and it's about how the brain works. And it's from, uh, you know, this, this woman who's a professor in math and science, but growing up, she wasn't good at it. And so her book is all about how, how to learn something that you're not necessarily sort of innately good at without trying, um, how to, how to learn those types of skills. And one of the things that she really gets into in the book is the difference between focused thinking and diffuse thinking. I think she even has a TED talk about it, possibly. Uh, and focused thinking is that you know the sort of following a task list, following all the rules, going in a regimented order. Um, it's very linear. We do this and then we do that. It's very logical, rational. Um, but again, it also focuses on the details and is sort of step oriented, whereas Diffuse thinking is what you do when you're sleeping or what you do as you zone out. When you're not thinking about something in particular, the, the neurons sort of bounce all over the brain. You know, it, the, the pathway is broader and, uh, and there's less things to bounce on. And so <clears throat> uh, it sort of sounds like your TL, in order, in order to learn, you have to go back and forth from focus and diffuse thinking. You go from concentrated to relaxed to concentrated to relaxed. And by virtue of doing that, you sort of um, solve a lot of problems in the mind and make a lot of connections. And, but in order for diffuse thinking to work, because otherwise you would just zone out the whole time, right? Like if, <laughs> if diffuse thinking helps you learn, then why not just be a space cadet 24-7? <laughs> the important thing about diffuse thinking that makes it helpful, according to this text, is that it has to start with a focus session. It has to start with like specific things that you're trying to understand. So it sounds like your TL gave you like the opportunity to have a bit of focus session with these very specific questions, albeit a lot, but still 45 minutes of hard thinking, followed by diffuse thinking. Uh, yeah. And that's when, you know, the lateral connections are built in the brain. That's, a, that's awesome. Uh, again, Learning to code is frustrating, so I'm not going to pretend like that. That sounds like a really frustrating experience. But was this TL uh, nice, at least? Yeah. Oh no, he's one of my favorite TLs. I absolutely hated his style of the questions. But now that I'm in CS, which I think is like the hardest part of Lambda, and quite honestly, 
it has nothing to do with my job. And I've like debated every single night going into hired early status. <laughs> yeah, um, I remember you me about that. Because it doesn't have, like, I'm not applying it to my job. So it's just like, I'm literally going to forget it next week anyway. This is unneeded stress. But um, like looking back, the section of Lambda that he was my TL for is the section that I've learned the best, that I've remembered the longest, that I can explain to other people. And then I sit here and I'm just like, why can't he be my TL right now? Right. So it sounds like, well, the experience of learning is not necessarily always enjoyable. You really value what you got from it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's interesting how sometimes um, what you want and what you need are not always the same thing. Um, but it's, you know, it's good to be able to have the ability to look back, reflect and appreciate it. Because I think a lot of people, if something is not pleasant in the in the present moment, they let bitterness build up in their heart. So that's really awesome that you didn't do that and you also became friends with this TL. Uh, one of the things I have in my notes that we talked about before we like officially started was the importance of connecting with TLs and SLs. And mm-hmm. I know we talked a little bit about networking already, but like would you say that there's a difference between connecting with say a classmate in a cohort versus connecting with a TL or an SL? hundred percent. Um, especially like when I was applying for these jobs, they ask you for references that are like management. They want to know who overlooked you. They don't want to know who your friends are. They don't want to know, you know, you give a personal reference or, you know, this is another student in my class it's like, okay, great. Yeah, you guys probably are friends. And obviously, they're going to say nice things. But when you get that like management perspective of like, are they reliable? Did they show up? Did they actually do their work? Because the TL can see how much effort and energy you put into it. And so they'll be able to speak firsthand on like your character and what kind of worker you are, you know, are you just stealing code off of GitHub? Are you actually learning? Are you maybe you're teaching them some things, you know? Do you think outside the box? And so I think having that connection and that relationship with someone makes the total difference when you're getting a job. And then, you know, you can have the TL or the section lead on your LinkedIn and you can have them give you references or recommendations or like they can, um, I don't know if it's like endorse, but they can like put that, you know, you are skilled in whatever. And then to have it come from that level of you know the tier whatever it's called yeah linkedin has both uh actually and i it's funny that you brought that up because like i was thinking about that as you were talking about connecting with your tl and how jobs want a reference that comes from a hierarchy that comes from an authority (laughs) figure who is not inclined to automatically say nice things about you but is potentially more inclined to talk about whether or not you perform as you claim, mm-hmm. right? Um, right. Because, I mean, personalities can clash, but are you a good worker? Because that's what jobs want. Right. And for for LinkedIn, it's funny you say that because my very first TL reached out to me a few weeks back saying, hey, I think it would be a good idea for you to get recommendations and to give recommendations with students as a TL, uh, because that will help you later on. She didn't really articulate too much, but 
it's basically a referral in writing that you don't have to ask for every single time you apply. I'm not sure if it can be used in that way, but that's effectively what it is. Uh, and so when you add someone on LinkedIn, there are some icons at the top of the screen, you know, to message them or whatever. There's one that says more dot, dot, dot. If you click on that, you can request a recommendation or you can leave a recommendation, which is effectively a review. There are also, you can also list your skills on LinkedIn and other people can quote unquote confirm, i.e. endorse that you know those skills that you claim to know. So it's a bit of both. The recommendation is a written approval from someone else that gets posted on your profile, uh, whereas like the endorsement is almost like a like. Oh yeah. Um, the other thing is, when I got, before I got this job offer, from the time that I was offered the in-person interview through the three weeks they made me sit and wait, I had them spamming my LinkedIn. I had so many people viewed your LinkedIn and it would say like five people viewed in private mode, two people work at this company, like everyone was spamming my LinkedIn. And from so that company or just like? prospective no, employers. Company. Oh, interesting. No, that company, like they probably, I mean, they talk about it now that I'm a part of the team. I know they don't hire anyone unless everyone in the team agrees, which is great because the culture is amazing there. Um, but it's so important to have your LinkedIn, like have your spelling really good. Don't have slang, like make it as professional as you can because they are all going to spam you. It happened with me and my job, it happened with my brother when he got offered the position all the way through like the first two weeks of him working there. Um, I mean, shoot, I've had an ex-girlfriend's dad look at my LinkedIn. <laughs> like, you know, so you, you want to keep up on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm, I have a question because my sort of brand is that I am part silly, part serious. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you could tell. Um, I don't know if I'm like that on my podcast. I think I'm just a lot of serious and a lot of emotional on my podcast. <laughs> but in real life, like I'm, I'm very silly, but also serious. And I'm trying to capture that in my professional life as well. Mm -hmm. I have like, you saw, my, you saw my portfolio. I've got emojis on there. It looks cartoonish. Do you think it's okay to also bring emojis into LinkedIn? Into what? into LinkedIn? That's hard. Um, with a portfolio site, one of the things, so my stepdad is the senior executive director at a company. He's worked for Yahoo. He's the one that turned Yahoo purple. Um, he's, is that his favorite color? No, I told inquiring that. minds want to know it's my favorite color. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe that's why he picked it. Yeah. You never know. Um, no, but like, he's just very powerful in his position. And he has been the one mostly coaching me on how to get these jobs. And I mean, it's working. I get jobs like nobody's business. Um, he was saying, your portfolio site is something they're going to click on and spend 10 to 15 seconds on. And you need to stand out in those 10 to 15 seconds. So making your portfolio site have those emojis and like, you know, everything that we had talked about with the different ideas you had, the colors you used, like the fun side of it, 
is going to make yours stand out. Nobody's looks like that, and it's perfect. Um, in terms of LinkedIn, Sweet. I think people are going to spend a little bit more time on it. They're not, you know, he was telling me, you need to look at like a portfolio site in terms of if they open this up and then the fire alarm gets pulled, what do you want them to remember? And I think LinkedIn is a little bit different in terms of like why they're going there or like what they're looking for. They might be more willing to spend time. Nice. Can you, can you repeat the fire alarm point? Cause I think that's important. Yeah. So when you um, are making a resume or a portfolio site, you need to make it with the intention that you want to assume the person clicks on it to pull it up and assuming the fire alarm goes off or something happens and they have to leave their desk immediately and they only saw it for like a flash, what is the one thing you want them to walk away with? It should be your name. You want them to remember who you are so that they can go back and look at it again. Um, Oh, that explains why a lot of the templates that you find for portfolios, the first page, like there is nothing on there but the person's name. I don't like that aesthetic personally. But it just seems like so much extra. Oh, on mine personally? Mm-hmm. Okay, your well, name good. and your I, picture stand out more than anything else on that page. So yeah. even though you have other things on there, you're still walking away with the same thing of what's standing out. Right. So it is possible to not necessarily do things the exact same way as you yeah. might find on a template and do things your own way, but still have the impact that you want to have is what it sounds right. like. Awesome. Um, one, you know, you shared with me what you have on your portfolio. I know in your experience with your, uh, with your job, it didn't turn out to be as important as a lot of people feel it is. Yeah. So. My current company never saw my portfolio. Um, oh, I didn't even know that. <laughs> they never saw it. I, I actually have four portfolio sites because I kept starting over and I would go a complete polar opposite direction. This one is colorful. This one is serious. This one is I'm a dog mom and an auntie. This one is look at my skills. I can do dom manipulation. Ha ha, got you. You can't hover over this. I mean, I had all different kinds and... I forgot to include the link when I submitted my application for the company I ended up working for. So they have actually never seen it and they still hired me. Um, okay, that cool. being said, you should still have one. You know, they might ask, right. they did ask <laughs> me in the in-person interview if I had one and I said yes, but they never asked for the link. But I mean, it, they might want it. Um, but I don't think they're going to spend as much time. Like they're not going to pull it up and go through all of your projects. They're not going to click on all your live links. They're not going to, they don't care. They have hundreds of thousands of developers that are trying to get a job that are like swarming them and they're trying to filter out the first one or the best one. So it's going to be a matter of like, what's going to make you stand out. You know, it's important to put your personality in there, especially if it's a template. Um, the one I ended up sending out to the first company that I didn't get hired with was a template and it was all old projects. Nothing worked. It was broken. Nobody knew. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I remember, I think I looked at your portfolio and one of the projects that you had, uh, <laughs> is, um, 
not to put you on blast. I don't mean it like that. But one of the projects that you, <laughs> one of the projects that you had was uh, the Great Idea website. Now, yep, a lot of my sure listeners is. are Lambda students themselves, so they'll know what that is. But if you're listening and you're not a Lambda student, the Great Idea website is one of the first assignments that we get in the school. Uh, when we're learning like the box model and Flexbox. So you have to refactor this site a couple times, but yeah, it's, it's one of the, it's like from unit. Oh yeah. Unit (laughs) one. It looks okay. You definitely make like way more advanced projects later on. I don't know why you chose that one. Because when you take a screenshot of the site, that one looked the most beautiful, like to Uh. the eye. And we styled it. So it was like using a professional, you know, Lambda had like, they gave us what it should look like, but we had to style it. And I just, I don't know, getting the circle. I was so proud of that. That, that one never went away. So, um, yes, I have the great idea site. I have my labs project and I have, um, one of the very first sprint challenges we ever did. Those are my three portfolio projects. And then I have a picture of my dog. He's a project. Yeah, my old my old senior lead, she just got hired uh, as well to what she also described as her dream job. Uh, she also had some of the older projects, I think like the Sweet Eats Bakery uh, website, mm-hmm. as well as a Sprint Challenge, as well as the Great Idea website. So there are a lot of people who are getting jobs with the projects from class. Again, I would put some more effort into them and put your own personal flair on them. Not, not, not suggesting Shelby didn't. I'm just saying in general, I think that's a good idea. You didn't. (laughs) I think that's a good idea. (laughs) But, um, but it is, it is certainly possible, right? Like we're trying to reach the light at the end of the tunnel and you got to do what you got to do. You're actually coding this, you're spending time on it. So I understand why people are putting it on their portfolios. Well, the other thing is, um, you know, I put like a little blurb, like this was like an ongoing project. We had to change these different things. It was, for me, this was the very first thing I ever did in code at all. I, I mean, before Lambda, I didn't know anything. So to go from not knowing anything to looking at like something so beautiful to the eye was just like amazing. Um, and if, you know, a company asks, you know, I'll tell them like, oh yeah, this was just a school project. Like the school did 80% of the code, but nobody asks. And that's the point. It looks really good. It's something I worked on and no one asks. Um, I will say the one thing that is going to help you get a job more than anything else that you ever do is your labs project. You have got to give it your all you have got to make it look good. And that needs to be on your portfolio because companies like in both of my in-person interviews, they asked me what real world experience did I have? Um, You know, I was fortunate to have one of those, my labs team had a stakeholder. And so um, that was probably one of the big reasons that I got the job I got was because I was able to talk about it in a real world setting with like, you know, merge conflicts and what it's like to work on a team of strangers. And um, so that is really important. And it's important that you understand the code. So for me, I didn't touch the back end on labs. I was strictly front end. But in the interview, they asked me back end questions. 
And you can't just say, oh, I didn't do that part. You have to be able to explain and understand the code, even if it wasn't your code. It's on your portfolio, so you have to know how to explain it at least. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, if like, let's say you're a basketball player. I mean, I played basketball growing up. And I, I'm, I'm personally not really into sports ball anymore, so I, this might not be everyone's analogy, but let's say you're a basketball player. If you are the point guard, that doesn't mean that you're allowed to not know what any of your other teammates do. It's your job to know because you work together. And so if you're, if you're strictly front-end, you still have to understand how back-end works because you're going to be having conversations with your back-end developers about where things are going to connect that have not been built yet. And you're going to need to be able to have a conversation about how does the data need to be manipulated so that I can send it to you? How does the data need to be manipulated so that I can accept it? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and such and so forth, you know, whatever is most advantageous to you, to the product, to the user. Yeah. So if you don't know some of your code, even if you've already passed the lab's point, I would encourage you to reach out to your teammates and have a conversation about it. Ask if one of them is willing to go over it with you. Um, if you're not in labs yet, make a point of making sure that you have a team that's going to, you know, work really well together or do a project that you're passionate about that you're going to understand. Now, it is possible to have an awful labs experience and make oh, yeah. the best of it, right? Like, uh, the most cliche example that I can think of is the phoenix rising from the ashes, if you will. You need the ashes in order for the phoenix to rise from them. And so it's possible to get ashes out of your lab's exper- experience and, and be the phoenix that comes through that. It's definitely possible. I know for me, my lab's experience was awful. Oh, yeah, me too. And I, you know, I just bring this up because I don't, I don't want anyone to think like, oh, my lab's experience right now is burning up and it's, you know, it's, it's going down. It's not going to land. It's going to crash, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so if anyone's feeling like that, I don't want anyone to be like, all right, well, I'm just done with Lambda. <laughs> it's over. I ain't got nothing left. Uh, my, my partner from, from labs, cause I did it with one other person. Yeah. So that's why my labs experience sucked. It was supposed to be six people and I, it was two. (laughs) Uh, So it was, it was exhausting. But um, what happened for us was we weren't really, we were sort of able to build a finished product. Like we technically got done, but it was a hacky mess. And it was, you know, like those crochet memes or not, is it not crochet? uh, Those memes with um, cross stitch where on the front everything's beautiful but on the back all the threads are all effed up (laughs) yeah so i don't want any you know my my code looked like that the front end was gorgeous i did it in figma i was really proud of it i had these really nice gradients i had really contrasting colors that somehow worked well together but the second you looked at that code it was like (laughs) it was really messy i had to I had to redo it from scratch halfway through because I was like, oh, I really do not understand React hierarchies. <laughs> That's how I figured yeah. that one out. So it is possible. My, my partner just got endorsed nice. despite the mess that was our code. Uh, and it was because he was able to explain how we got there, what we learned from the experience, what the code was doing. Uh, 
and yeah, so all that to say, it is possible to make the best and out of a not so awesome experience and to extract as much value as possible. Sort of back to that idea of it may not have been fun in the moment, but that doesn't mean that you uh, cannot find value in it or that, you know, that you should let bitterness fill your heart and so that you can't see the value in it. Yeah. The other thing is like, labs is stressful it is yeah it's super stressful and people get cranky when they get stressed out like that's just a part of it so like my labs team was 12 people and within the first (laughs) yeah it was a team of 12 give me some (laughs) um yeah that's why i'm i'm like amazed that you had two because we had so many people um, (laughs) and in a matter of three weeks from them going on personal hiatus to being kicked out of lambda to withdrawing or whatever we got down to six Oh my goodness. Uh, I have never met anyone who got kicked out of Lambda. I'm so sorry. I I I didn't mean to interrupt. I got shocked. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, it's good. I, I, I don't know if they got kicked out or if they like chose to leave, but I know that like their account is deactivated, but so we were down to six, but we had already given our product vision, assuming we had 12 people. And so they, Bernie or the, uh, whatever person, kept saying you need to make sure you have enough work for all 12 of you this isn't enough work so we were piling on and then everyone left and he was like you need to still finish this is what you signed up for so we were like no pressure (laughs) we were screwed um and so in that six of us there was one person who is here um in arizona as well and i know them from the meetups And so I was like, oh, this will be so fun to work with them. This person drove me up a freaking wall. I mean, it was to the point that I was ready to drive to their house and like shove them in the pool. Like I was done. You got to be careful, Shelby. This is being recorded. You know, know you're on a podcast, right? It's okay. 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 Uh, No, but like I would style a form. I would do all the logic behind it. I styled it. And then this person would push their code and it would delete mine. And I did the same page seven times before I like cried at my TL. I was in full blown tears and I just said, I'm not doing it again. I'm not, I don't care about the stakeholder. I'm done. Um, Now that labs is over, that person and I are really good friends. There's no stress. They're like the coolest, chillest person. We get along great. Yeah. Those, those get, (laughs) issues will they will definitely break the the camaraderie of your team because <laughs> what happens is it's like you erased my work <laughs> you, and, and like that's like the developer version of being in the sand pit at school when you're five and like somebody steps on your castle you're like oh, you stepped on my castle but it's more like you overwritten you overrode my code yeah so there was a time there's um there's an online game it's called like crunker and yeah yeah it does we started and ended every day playing that game we would start off playing a fun game the morning one would rotate but at the end of the day we ended with that game because it was like 
the best way to relieve stress on each other that like was fun and lighthearted, you know? Yeah, for those who don't know, Crunker is a browser-based shooting game. So you don't need to download anything and everyone can sort of join at the same time. I'm not sure if there's a limit. Um, I think there's like six. Six, yeah. So yeah, so Scribble, Crunker, right now with like coronavirus and stay-at-home orders and things like that, that might be a good way to hang out with friends. But yeah, Scribble and Crunker are both hilarious. You will, If you are anything like me, you will scream at least once in the game. Uh, I mean, who knows? I've screamed in this podcast, I think, twice today. So <laughs> maybe, maybe I just scream a lot. <laughs> I accept no, that. perfect. Um, All right. So, yeah. yeah. So, TLs play such a huge role in networking and advocating for you. Uh, and there was one other thing I wanted to ask about, and you brought it up briefly a little bit earlier. You were talking about how your tech stack that you work with right now is nothing like the one that Lambda trained you in. Did that play any role in the hiring process for you? Did they even bring that up in the interview? And how did that work? Oh, yeah. They brought it up at least four times. Four um, times? <laughs> I mean, I guess that makes sense because like, they want to know, are you going to be able to do this? Yeah, they brought it up in the phone interview. They mentioned it. Two different people mentioned it in the in-person interview. Um, they talked about it a little bit on my first day. That was definitely a big red flag. Um, that was, it was, it was a hiccup. It was a speed bump. It was not anything that prevented me. Obviously, I have the job. Um, Lambda teaches JavaScript, React, Python. Um, they had a portion where they taught Java. That's, I don't know what they're doing with that now, but I went through the Java end. Um, so for me, I learned React, Java, and Python. Uh, my current job is Vue, Go, Java, Python, and C Sharp. Um, having been through Java twice and still not understanding a single thing in Java, I would consider myself as not knowing it, even though I did the Java backend. <laughs> um, and Python in CS is really hard and different. I can't do Python backend or frontend. I don't even know what I'm doing, but the Python Lambda is teaching is nothing like what they're using. Um, I wonder if they're using 2.7. I have no idea, but they're, and I should, I've been there for like six weeks now, <laughs> but they use Go, they use C Sharp, they use Vue. Um, and they, they were asking me like, you know, how do I, how do I feel like I'm going to do with this code? Because you, know, you kind of just got to jump in and handle it. And, um, you know, one thing I've learned, Go is kind of the exception to the rule. The language was built very differently from every other language, and that's what's so appealing about it. But all the other languages, um, the logic is the same. The logic is the same across Java and Python. It's the syntax that's different. And so if you are able to portray that you understand the logic and you have an understanding like for react you know how to use state management and you understand the logic behind how things are getting passed it's the same across all languages you, then you can just say like what i said was exactly that and then i said you know lambda teaches you fast and you've got to pick it up and so for me lambda taught me how to learn quick they taught me how to like filter out what's the important highlights and what's the quick things. And so it's, it's hard. It's been six weeks and I still don't know what I'm doing, but 
I don't think that that feeling will ever go away. And I think it's just a matter of like doing your best. You just have to be confident, but don't oversell yourself. If you know yourself well enough to know that you're not going to pick it up quickly, don't tell them you're a fast learner. Uh, I fair, fair. Like on that one. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I, I didn't, I didn't realize you were giving a dig at yourself when you said that, but you know, it seems six weeks is not a long time. Right. Lambda is, depending on which one you're going through, we're focused on part-time in this podcast. Lambda is, Lambda is over a year long. Yeah. Right. So it's not, it, you know, six weeks is not a long time to learn, what, four languages or something like that, you know? Cut, cut yourself yeah. some slack. <laughs> I mean, I, I told them, like, you know, I can learn it quickly. I'll pick up on it. And nobody at the office, um, they're all really laid back. They're really relaxed. Like none of them are holding me to it, but I feel like I'm not doing fast enough. I'm not doing it good enough. Um, but as long as like you have confidence and, you know, go is definitely an exception to the rule. If you're applying to a go job, you might want to learn some go before jumping into that bandwagon. Yeah, and it certainly doesn't help that this field is extremely competitive, at least <clears throat> the way it's portrayed online. Mm -hmm. Makes it sound like everyone's, you know, trying to up each other constantly. And sometimes with not very much foresight or wisdom behind the decision making. Yeah. One thing my um hiring manager said to me, um, because I asked him, I you're not supposed to. I would not encourage anybody to ask this, but I am a curious person and I needed to know um, because I know personally three other people that applied for the same position that are way better developers. They just know their code way more. And so I was asking like, why did they even pick me? Um, and the hiring manager said to me, you can teach somebody the technical skill, but you cannot teach them the personality. So I think like that could be used, you know, on both sides. Like, yeah, he said that to me, but you could also say that in an interview. Like, you know, if you feel like you're clicking with these people and you're motivated and you are determined to learn and you're willing to put the time in, like it's way more valuable to a company to have someone who's open to feedback and willing to like put in the time than it is to have someone who's like good. So that might give you a leg up in that competitive field, you know? Oh yeah, totally. Especially because the vast majority of the work you do with others with coding to me personally is communicating about what you're going to code. Uh, some of that time is spent on coding that sure, but everything up until that point is talking about what you want to make. What is it going to look like? Where is the data going to come from? How is it going to move throughout the piece? Right. And, and if you can't do that, that's going to be really tough. I, I mean, I've personally worked with, uh, with people who really struggle at letting others have room to shine in a project. Um, and I've also, you know, have, if I'm going to be honest, I've also been the difficult one in a group before, right? It, sometimes you're the odd one out and everyone else seems to get everything just fine. And you're like, why? 
<laughs> Why am I the only one who doesn't like this? <laughs> That's how I feel at my job. Everyone Aww. thinks it's great, and I'm just sitting there like, what are you doing? <laughs> this is not English. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, you know, sometimes, sometimes you're the one where life is easy, and sometimes you're the one who's, who's got the hard end of the, you know, the short end of the stick. So it just happens sometimes. One, one last question uh, before we, uh, I guess, officially end this episode is um, if... <laughs> really? I'm, I'm not going to lie, Shelby. I brain farted for a second. I keep brain farting on these interview uh, podcasts that I have <laughs> where I like, I want to ask a question and then it's, it's gone. Um, so if, if you could leave one piece of advice to, you know, part-time students who might be tired, who are maybe overwhelmed with, you know, the coronavirus stuff or who want to give up on this idea of becoming a web developer or might, you know, might be considering giving up. Um, again, you know, if Lambda's not for you, Lambda's not for you, that's fine. But you started, this is my thought, you know, you, you started and you applied because you wanted to change your life. At least a lot of us do, did, right? Most of the people on Lambda applied because life was harder before Lambda and they want it to be easier. Uh, and so what do, you, what do you say to those students who are asking themselves, is it possible to get to this easier life? So, um, yeah, that's a really good one. For me, Lambda was hard. There were more nights of tears and anxiety and crying than there was of like positivity. 100%, three fourths of it was tears of crying. Um, don't give up. I personally created four different front desk tickets to withdraw. Um, the person that received it was the same person every time and wouldn't let me. They kind of gave some pushback and then with their pushback, they knew that I was on the edge. I mean, if you want to, you want to and they will, but they could kind of tell that I was like iffy. And so they were just like really encouraging me. Um, they ended up helping me with resources that I didn't know Lambda offered. And so like I for me, like the most successful thing I ever did was made a front desk ticket that said, this is my problem. What can you do? And kind of made it theirs because they know what they offer. You don't know what to ask for. If you like, if you're struggling and you don't know what's next and you just want to walk away and you're not sure where the resources are, like you, people say, oh, you need to ask, but you don't know what you're asking or what you want it's really easy to just say, this is my problem. How can you help me? And leave it really broad. Um, and the other thing is make sure that you're getting sleep, you know, in part time, it's hard. You're working a full-time job. Like for me, I would work a full-time job. I would come home. I had less than 10 minutes before Lambda started to figure out dinner. Sometimes I wouldn't eat until after I worked a full day and did a full thing of Lambda. My project wasn't done. Um, I pulled a lot of all-nighters and I would just say, you really have to find a balance. Like your sleep is important and you need to make sure that you're sleeping and taking care of yourself. You need to make sure that you're eating. And if that means you miss 10 minutes of lecture, like it's recorded, you can go back, you can ask questions. Um, but you need to make sure to like take care of yourself in that. 
Yeah, for sure. Sleep is super important. As a TL, I remember there was this one sprint challenge and my students said like, uh, I just didn't get very much sleep. And the students thinking was so different. Like I, I talk to my students every day. We go through code challenges or we talk about the code or we analyze the code every day. And normally this student is like really, really quick usually never has any problems and with understanding stuff. He's, you know, I'm not the student who understood everything the first time around, but this particular student is. And this one time on one sprint challenge did not get enough sleep. And the cognitive function, uh, you know, quality declined. Gosh, I want to say by at least 50%. Like I I can't measure brains. I don't know anything about that. But, but I do know that the student went from really easily understanding everything that we had gone over to questioning like really basic fundamental things that were from past content uh, that that I had seen the student previously master. So I was like very confused. Um, the The amount, the the effect a, a night of sleeplessness will have on you is very profound, especially yeah. quality of thinking. Um, yeah. so yeah, no, I'm glad, I'm glad that you brought that up for sure. And, um, I'm sort of glad I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if this is a good thing, but I'm sort of glad that they didn't just like let you withdraw that they, you know, that they were like, let us help you. Um, yeah, so I am too, <laughs> um, because I didn't know that those were options. Yeah. Um, but the, the other thing that I would just you know, want to put out there is, um, I forgot. (laughs) Oh, wait, wait, no, I remember. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. I, even going through like the interview process and filling applications and having them say, congratulations, fill out this code challenge. You made it to the next step. Even through all of that, I never felt I would get a job. I always from day one thought Lambda was a waste of time and it was going to waste my money. And I decided, you know, exactly what Ira said. We went to Lambda because we wanted to change our lives. My job was being automated. I didn't have a choice. I did have a choice, but this was the best option. And so I committed when I signed up and applied for Lambda school, I committed that Lambda's ISA works you don't pay them anything unless you get a job. So to me, I took that as a risk-free, if I don't like code, I'll go back to pharmacy. It's risk-free. And I will give it my all and I will try 110% before I ever give up. And I will say, I couldn't be more grateful that I didn't give up. Even the day that I ugly cried and got my job, I, I mean, I'm working and I still don't believe that I'm an engineer. It's in my title, but it just doesn't feel real. I get my paychecks and I just, I took a picture of my first paycheck. I couldn't believe it was that much money on a single check. Um, you know, I am talking to some of my best friends through Lambda and they're in the process and they're saying like, I don't know how you did it. I'm not going to be good enough. I'm not going to get this, that like imposter syndrome. But the reality is like, I can't even pass a hacker rank. I can't pass anything. I don't think I'm ever going to pass Lambda's endorsement process, but I still got a job. So it's like, 
if you can get through Lambda, Lambda is 10 times harder than any job. If you can get through Lambda, you will make a job and you, it will be worth it. 100%. Like, don't give up. All right. You heard it from the graduate herself. Well, not quite graduate yet, but she's got a job and that's, you're not even done yet and you got a job, right? Mm -hmm. So you heard it from herself. Don't give up. It's possible. And Lambda is harder than the goal you're trying to achieve, right? So the goal is easier than Lambda. So keep, keep your eye on the prize. You can do this. All right. Thank you everyone. And, uh, We'll see you next time. Well, <laughs> this is a podcast. We don't see anything. We'll, we'll talk to you next time.